We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Welcome to another edition of the Dogger Pass Podcast. This for UFC 243. Whitaker versus Adesanya for the undisputed middleweight championship of the world. Paul Shaughnessy here with Cody Saftik, as always. That's right, as always. Except, uh, except for last week. Except for last week. Uh, but, you know, family stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all but, good. Uh, yeah, yeah. but, yeah, so I guess, you you know, last week was... Pat had to hold down the fort for Denmark. He did. Pat ended up cashing. Yeah, well, actually, we didn't. He's been bragging about a few of his calls. He's just like, <laughs> I was hot and fire. He was like, right. the guy's considering selling picks. <laughs> I, I don't know if he's actually, but nah. he's just like, my picks are so... Yeah, he's he did a great job. I watched uh, I watched some of the clips. I didn't watch the whole episode. Yeah, it was good reuniting with him. But as always, we got to get back on the sweet roll because we're on this like international run where it's just different country, different country, different country. So let's keep the ball rolling. And uh, we've been doing okay, so... Let's, it's bound to blow up in our face. Hopefully, New Zealand is not the spot. Well, it's in well, yeah, Australia. Yeah, sorry, Melbourne is not the spot. Melbourne, There's a Australia. difference, Cody. No, I know. I know. Um, and they've been telling you throughout this entire countdown show how much of a difference there really is. They've and also Robert been Whitaker's you, turned his back on the, where he was born. <laughs> yeah, man. yeah, yeah. They've also told you that Israel Adesanya is probably their favorite to win this fight, considering how much they're promoting him. But yeah, go on. I guess so. Anyway, well, last week's episode, winner of 20DK dollars was Lockport 3121. I wonder if he's from Lockport, from like Lockport, Gambino Ford. I, this is probably a very local Toronto. We get like the American like um, car dealerships from Buffalo up here for like all of like the cbs and stuff like that so lockport gambino ford just like know. with, like, with an upstate new york accent <laughs> anybody from the area may may may, may no. remember that blast from the past so congratulations to lockport 3121 uh this week's one we were th- we we're talking about tai Ivasa and how he comes out to like vanessa carlton and stuff like that um what would be your walkout if you were to uh to fight in the ufc 
fight anywhere. What's so a good walkout song? Give the episode What's a like. DK excited? Handle, what would be your walkout song? Mine would be Down With The Sickness. And it's just like, as soon as I would just like get into the auditorium or the same, it would be where the, ooh, wow. Ah, I, yeah, yeah, I, I yeah, really yeah, undersold yeah. that. I really undersold that. But with, right as soon as I did that, and then everyone would go crazy because obviously I would be, you know, fan favorite, of course. Of course. How are you going to cheer yeah. against the guy? Not like I wouldn't be like deep on the early like fight pass prelims. Or yeah, I remember like I remember John Jones used to be like, I come out to Bob Marley songs because nobody was going to boo Bob Marley. You hear it and you're like, fuck John, but I like the songs. I'll wait a little bit. And you're like, wait. So I think I'd have to go with something more exciting like uh, like Walk by Pantera. No matter how many times you hear it, Soon as you hear Dimebag Daryl hit that guitar, fucking sold fired up. So that would probably be the one there. But yeah, leave yours in the comment section. And if you get Paul's whack-ass reference to some car dealership, please tweet me. Because I'm not sure that anybody's going to get that one. Prove me wrong. Does anybody else get that one? You may be too young to remember. Whatever. I'll YouTube it when I get out of here. I'm sure they've got car commercials online, Paul. Back in my day, we used to just like, the TV was really your only option. You didn't have like YouTube as an outlet to watch like content. Yeah, I'm just saying you can look Imagine back a on day. that stuff. Hey there, youngin. <laughs> anyway, uh, let's get into the action here. We have a hell of a main event. That's, you know, let's call a spade a spade here. We have Robert Whitaker taking on Israel Adesanya. Robert Whitaker, 8,200, minus 105. Israel Adesanya, 8,000, minus 115. Adesanya opened up as a slight dog, like plus 120 or so, and people... I think rightfully so, based on all the circumstances surrounding it, have been betting him. If you would like Whitaker, you can probably wait, and I think you're going to get dog prices. That's what's been trending since it basically opened. Um, before I give my take, I'll just let you take this away, and then I'll probably interrupt you and trigger people in the comments section. Yeah, I don't know. I'm hoping to get a back-and-forth discussion on this one because uh, I think you can make a strong, compelling argument for either guy. I seem to be falling towards Israel Adesanya. That's largely based towards just... The nuances and the cadences of, of fighting are super important. It's like your timing and your ability to adapt in there are going to be huge. I feel with Robert Whitaker, I'm buying into this injury layoff. Mm-hmm. The guy always fights with laundry, like injury layoffs. Don't get me wrong. It's when you see him fight, it's, it, it looks like there's brilliance in there. You know, There's combinations that are awesome. His defense is awesome. His, counter rest, his, his defensive wrestling is awesome. All the parts are there. But then there's just these lapses. And I feel like the lapses are due to the fact that he's just not getting rounds in there. Israel Adesanya not only fights more frequently, he just fights frequently in general. There was and one he's year. He's just been making those like each fight is just like an each, extra step as he jumps up the ladder. Dude, you know? I, I, I couldn't agree more. Like right? his rise has been like literally perfect. If you want to like promote a star, just like just slight increases in talent that he's taking on every single I, time. And he's I, passed I, every single test. Right. He's had to dig deep specifically, obviously, against Gastelum. Like he had some dicey spots, but he came back we'll in round first. five. Like. Right. He's making all of those types of things that you want to see from a future champion. So, oh, And see, there's the other issue as well, right? When you look at him, it's just like, could this guy, people are always oh, going to get exposed. He's going to be exposed. The time was there to expose him. Could any of these guys have beaten him back in that Marvin Vittori fight? It's like, shit, maybe. Mm-hmm. But he took some less, didn't look good, took some lessons from there and improved and got better. And that Anderson Silva fight, call it switch of opponents, call it uh, you're fighting a legend, like call it many things, but like, if if Robert Whitaker fights Israel Adesanya on that night, he defeats Israel Adesanya. Yeah, probably. But he keeps making the improvements. He keeps fighting. Now you watch the Kelvin Gastelum fight. And it's like other than him getting kicked in the head. Like I had that personally scored three to two for Izzy, but the fifth round's a ten eight round, and Kelvin Gastelum can take a punch 
from the best. People are always talking about the power. Ah, Izzy doesn't have a whole lot of power. You know, he's a rangy kickboxer. But even in kickboxing, he didn't have a ton of knockouts. Mm -hmm. And in MMA, it's like a lot of these guys hang on for decisions. Like, it doesn't matter, man. He's precise. Kelvin Gastelum barely survived. And the only reason he did survive is he's got a cast iron chin. So could Izzy knock out Robert Whitaker? Yeah, but could he just stretch him over five rounds and beat him? Yeah. Robert Whitaker, now, I think it would be smart to go to the wrestling, right? Here's a guy that everybody says could have wrestled on the Australian Commonwealth. Team, Which, he I doesn't knew, shoot I, takedowns. I knew you were so. going to bring that up at well, some point gotta, during this episode. you got to consider it, at least. It yeah, just, it doesn't do like it. He, that he was like trying out for the wrestling team. I just don't know how much being on that wrestling team really means, or uh, if it's like it's they bring in Robert team. Whitaker because he's the most popular martial artist in the country and it's a publicity stunt for the program that you're trying to get tax dollars from you know the australian government like that shit happens all the time right um so i don't i would like to robert if you have really had a track record of him wrestling but like I guess it's unfair to him. Fighting Yoel twice is just like, well... And fighting Jacare. And I, like, I get it. A lot of those fights, it's like his best path to victory is keep the fight standing and outstrike them. And when you look at his run right now, that's what he's doing. Outside of getting knocked out by Wonderboy, he's looked fantastic. Could Adesanya catch him with something the way Wonderboy did? A different type of style? Uh, something that it's, it's, it's tough to make reads on? Not only is it tough to make reads on, it's tough to make reads on it when you've had one fight in 16 months. Yep. And beyond that... He had a bad groin injury. He talking had a bad about depression issues recently, which He's like good on him up, for man. like manning up to that. But there's it's no another doubt, factor. There's no in doubt in my mind that a sound, clean, healthy, 100% Robert Whitaker could defeat Israel Adesanya. It's just I don't think you're going to get that. So I think it would be almost foolish to take him. I get he's a champ, and betting the champ at underdog price seems awesome, and he is on a good run. But there's just a lot surrounding him. And I don't want to be the guy that buys into the Israel Adesanya hype train considering he's 17-0. You know me. Mm -hmm. I want to see you lose. I want to see you lose and how you rebound. And we're talking about how good the improvements have been winning those splits, winning those not-so-great fights. Like, imagine the improvements if somebody exploited a hole in his game and he was forced to work on those holes. So I'm not fully sold on him yet. And when I see the UFC throw the entire marketing machine behind him, I said, hey, I know how this turns out. Not good. I can't overlook Robert Whitaker, but the official pick would be Adesanya. It's rightfully so pretty priced. And listen, 8000 for fucking Adesanya? Like, as far as DK goes, oh, buddy, like, as, sign me up for as that. As this like, line yeah, goes, though, like, he's going to be like 60% owned. Yeah, okay. But, fair, fair. So whatever side you're going on, I mean, you're going to want shares I'm, I'm on, on Adesanya as well. I just think then you're gonna want all of the things are trending in the right position for him to take this down. If Robert Whitaker had shown us the wrestling in the past, I'd be a little bit more inclined offensive to... Offensive wrestling. Offensive I, wrestling. I can stuff it. Oh, you, you can stuff it. That's a, not going to be an issue here. Exactly. I just kind of think of him fighting Yoel and going like, you know, barn burner type of styles. And I just think Adesanya is so much cleaner when they're in those exchanges. Adesanya is just not getting hit like Yoel gets hit. Yes. And he's just unleashing fury. There's, but there's, he, does, he did get hit against Kelvin, but Kel, Kelvin's got like super clean, crisp, like one, two. Like he's a dangerous opponent, right? And Kelvin is a pressure fighter. He always comes forward. He did. I, the fact that a five foot nine guy head kicked him like a guy where, oh, and by the way, Robert Whitaker's got a fucking nasty head kick on him. Mm -hmm. But to play a one single move like that, like, oh, that'll be the difference maker, it could be the difference maker that could be an x factor but like you can't put too much stock into him getting clicked with a head kick the difference between yo romero and israel adesanya is that yo romero is super explosive on one big power strike and he did land that one big power strike because whitaker's striking defense not great he's hittable 
and those one big shots were able to land on him. But Izzy doesn't fight like that. It's more voluminous. It's more combinations. It's more long distance. It's more kicks. It's more thrashing. If you've got a bum knee, he's going to exploit. He's going to exploit all those things. And the very last point I want to make on it is I never really pay much attention to the countdown show stuff. But when you look at the countdown show stuff, it's like the city kickboxing, they're, they're, they got a good groove right now. They're, they're churning out UFC quality athletes. They got a big good gym vibe. Everybody's smiling. It, it's good momentum. They've got new members. People are turning money. It, it's good. Whitaker, not to his detriment or anything, but it's like he was, it was like a little tiny concrete hole in the wall with like a couple teenagers and he's playing like pickup basketball and working a lot of one-on-one with his coaches. So I just, again, if I thought he was 100% as good as we've ever seen him, damn right he's got a shot at taking this down. You're goddamn right. I, just, I don't think we're going to. Yeah, I just don't think we're going to see layoff. the best. We're on the same page. I just don't think we're going to see the best Robert Whitaker. No. And we need to see the best Robert and Whitaker if he's going to win this fight in this moment. See, yeah. Because yeah. Adesanya's been talking. This is, Adesanya's been talking about doing this in a big stadium and stuff. And I know that this card isn't exactly stacked top to bottom as he probably envisioned it. You know what I mean? But um, it's still his moment that he's kind of like uh, brought into existence. So, you know, he's going to be fired up and ready to go. Anyway, let's move on to the next fight. We've got Dan Hooker taking on Ally Aquinta. Hooker, 8,500 minus 165 favorite. Uh, I Aquinta, 7,700 plus 145. Take it away, Cody. Yeah, well, here's another one I'm kind of half flip-flopping on. Ever since the odds came in at 165 on Dan Hooker, it makes me really feel like, geez, I like Quinta plus 145. Like, why can't he win this matchup? But this is a perfect, Ally Quinta is a perfect example of how, like, you're really only as good as your last fight. Dude looks to, loses to Khabib. Goes the distance with Khabib. I mean, Khabib just kind of took yeah, those coasted, rounds coasted. off. It was uh, other people wanted... disagree with that, but it's just like, I, of course I, he did. nobody watches Khabib's fights more intently than me. And it's just like, this guy is just totally just like, ah, thanks for taking the fight on, on late notice so that I could win the title tonight. Like, that's literally what he did. I, I don't want to kill you. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. But it's, at least on paper, it looks, it's it impressive nice paper. to say yeah. I didn't completely get thrashed. I did make a decision, and I'm one of the very few people that loses to Khabib and has their stock at least slightly go up. Yep. Then he beats Kevin Lee, dude. It's a star-making performance. It's like, damn, even though Alec Quint has been around the game for a long time, he already has big wins, people were high on Kevin Lee. And then the way he beats Kevin Lee, a guy that talks so much shit, like, he's everybody's darling. He comes into the Donald Cerrone fight. I'm backing him. A lot of people are backing him. Al's getting paid now. Al's motivated now. But, like, Al's Al. It's not a bad fight. It's Donald Cerrone. Stung him early. Donald start feeling good. Put the pressure on him. You lose. You go from the highest of the highs beating Kevin Lee to the lowest of the lows losing to Donald Cerrone. And now you're a plus 145 underdog against Dan Hooker. And I like Dan Hooker. And I am, I am going to pick Dan Hooker. But the value is gone. I don't want to bet Hooker at minus 165 where he was sitting earlier in the week. That's the time to get him. Where he's sitting now, I don't like it. The 8,500, even if he defeats Ally Quinta over the course of three, I don't see him knocking him out. And Ally Quinta is not super defensively um, irresponsible that I don't think he's no, there to get touched Al, up. Al's got a hell of a chin. He's got a hell of a chin. There's takedown shouldn't be an issue because I don't think Hooker's taking down Ally Quinta. I really don't. So what you're getting is if you're backing Hooker, again, which, which I said I'm going to do, he's going to have to win a decision based on staying on the outside and out pointing. Quinta, and that's not going to be, for 8,500, no, not No, becomes the valuable, because Iaquinta, sure. you go, if Al comes out here with a wrestle-first mentality, you start, like, 
I don't think he would be sound enough to just hold Hooker down either. So, like, it could be multiple takedowns if that's effective. But you don't – there's so many questions. I just don't know if his wrestling is good enough to do that. And Al does love to box. So, like, he doesn't necessarily just come across in any of his fights and just go, I'm going straight to the wrestling first. Like, of course. He doesn't have that mentality. It's, but, yeah. like, I would like to play him if I knew that that was the mentality coming into this fight. But it's really hard to predict. And then the other thing you got to look at is that Hooker's been traditionally a great DK play when he wins, especially. Mm-hmm. So that's why he's coming in because with Because it's all knockouts. He's coming, he, right, exactly. So he finishes Ross Pearson. He finishes Mark Casey, He finishes Jim Miller. He finishes Gilbert fucking Burns. And he finishes James Vick. Mm-hmm. So he finishes all those guys. He's scoring big. He looks impressive. The two losses during that stretch, Jason Knight and Edson Barbosa, both of those times were the times he got stretched. So if we're talking about Ally Quinta and his durability and how this guy's got one hell of a chin and what you saw him take against Donald Cerrone was incredible. And then you factor in the Khabib fight, all these different things. Maybe he stretches this kid. And if he does stretch this kid, he's going to make him pay. But I, I have to believe based on Al wants to fight a shorter guy when he fights longer ranger guys, such as the Jorge Masvidal fight or that last fight with Donald Cerrone. He's, he stays too far on the outside. He gets intercepted trying to move yeah. in. He gets outpointed. He's also a really smart guy. Uh, I know he's a New Yorker, so sometimes you might not believe that, but he's a smart guy. When he gets stung, he doesn't go into do or die Just mode. fired at New York. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> I know that probably sounded like that in hindsight. Absolutely. Yeah, my bad. Anyways, he's a super smart guy. He's, he's not there. He's not the young Al of old who's going to go out there and swing. He's there. He's getting paid. He's got a family. He's in his coming in near up his mid thirties. He's had a lot of injuries. He'll smart the fight game plan. Whereas what you've seen with Dan Hooker in his Edson Barbosa fight, he's he's still young. He's still there to actually physically go out on his shield. And then uh, because I always say, got to make a last point. This is pr- I see this fight going the distance. I see this fight being a relatively close fight that goes the distance. And when we always talk about every time, but the home cooking. Australia, even though it's from New Zealand, and you tell me there's an issue there, I, I feel like it's not they're, that much of an issue. I feel though. like they're, they're, they're definitely on more more on side with the the Kiwi guys, I would imagine. Yeah. And then they are going to be on Kai Kara France. He loses, right? And they gift him one. And it was in yeah, Australia. They, they, correct? they owe Al Iaquinta nothing, is but, what we'll say. Right? They're not buying just the American guy. Right. Yeah. Okay. Fuck them. So if that <laughs> is that the mentality, then I guess Hooker's going to squeak that close decision. Uh, so the official pick will be him, but I don't see the value on it on both sides, um, money line or DK. I don't know. I think that there could be a lot of value on I, uh, Al Iaquinta, but I don't. I just don't have the answers yet. So. I'll be looking at the weigh-ins, interviews during the week, trying to get more information on this fight. But, like, the side that I am tempted to bet right now is Ally Aquinta. That's I the just, value. I just think one for like, I, it's it's kind of a pick to me, and they're giving 145. But I, I want to know. I want to know if Al's going to wrestle, and I'm not going to know until I do it. But uh, we'll see. We'll see as the week goes on. Anyway, let's uh, now this now this card basically just falls, falls off right cliff. off of a cliff. No, unless you're from this part of the world. Yeah, then no, this it's is, a regional. This card. is a great regional card, it's brother. It's just weird that it's a pay per view, but it's more about the the local event for this than them selling. They they've already made their money selling those tickets to fill that stadium in Australia. They don't need to make the money on the pay per view end of it. I guess that's the the business model here. Either way, we got some fights to break down. We got Tai Tuivasa taking on Sergey Spivak. Tuivasa, 93 and a minus 400 favorite. Sergey Spivak, 6,900 and plus 330. Um, I just don't bet heavyweights at these prices. Um, Now, the question for me right off the hop becomes, I know Sergey Spivak got, you know, absolutely roasted by Walt Harris. (laughs) Scored 0.5 DK points. Um, 
But if that doesn't happen, Taito Ivasa has shown that he can go three rounds. He's pretty athletic for what he looks like. Um, but he definitely is not like above gassing. What happens if he doesn't get knocked out in the first round and, and Spivak hangs around? I don't know if it's actually going to matter. It's probably more of a pass for me, but, uh, I, I, I just don't touch minus 400s. If it was like Daniel Cormier versus Sergey Spivak, okay. Then I'll, then I'll take, uh, DC, of course, but tied to Ivasa minus 400s. Like just, just stay away from heavy, heavyweight fights and, and certain women's fights. You stay away from massive chalk in general. It's a safe policy at all, at all costs, you know? Yeah, I agree with you on the money line side of things in that he's uh, on a two-fight losing streak. DraftKings, yeah, 9,300. He's a heavyweight yeah, that like, has first-round first round. He's fighting right a guy who just got knocked down in 50 seconds, yeah. right? So, I mean, on DraftKings, we're probably going to want to have looking some, for a knockdown. Like, <laughs> looking for some Tai Tuivasa stocks, for yeah, sure. Yeah, for sure. The money line, I see where it's it, it's a little bit worrisome. But at least this is what it seems to be. Tai Tuivasa... I fucked up last time. I fucked up. Because you know me. I'm always trying to fade this guy. And yeah. I picked him over Blagoy. And even when I think about that again, it's just like, damn, my love for fading Blagoy just, oh, I was blinded. And uh, for my love of trying to fade, I don't know. I just, I, I threw that one off and I, I picked Tai Tuivasa. And that was the worst he's looked. The Junior Santos fight, yeah, you give him a pass there because he actually looked good until he got caught. He's just outclassed. By Junior DeSantis. Yeah. And geez, he looked mobile. He looked good on his feet. He was dancing around. His cardio looked good. He busted up Junior in the first round. And then he got countered in the second round, got knocked out. He's so pissed off after he gets knocked out, too. Like, he's not out-out. It's one of those things you just got stopped. And he's all pissed off like, shit, I had this guy. Like, Dude, you had a guy that's a former champion who's a perennial top three guy in the division. That's, that's, a, that's a learning experience. That's kind of why I bought him from Blagoy. And he looked... Awful, 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 awful against Blagoy. One thing I'm seeing, well, that I'm hoping, is that that fight against Junior was in, like, New South Wales, Australia. So he looks good until he gets caught at home. Then he goes over to the States and has to take this fight over there and then gasses out against Blagoy. His mm-hmm. chin's always good. It's a massive, he's got a massive it, nog on him. Yeah, being but at home like, for him should be a big advantage. He should be a big advantage Timing, the, the charge of the crowd. People love him there. He's a big, bumbling, happy... Idiot, and know? the way this guy is, we, we expect him to be making some improvements because he's a natural athlete despite his huge size. I mean, he was a rugby standout uh, and not like was pro rugby, but was like the highest end, but sure. it was still pro rugby. Apparently, he's a good athlete, super mobile. He puts the pressure on you in that first round, first seven minutes, and you've got you've to break. When you take a young guy like that, fairly one-dimensional, you give him junior fucking Dos Santos, recipe for disaster. Furthermore, and I admit I did not see this, but like, Blagojevanov had a, a combat sambo victory over Fedor in 2008. He's a former Bellator champion. He's a former World Series of Fighting champion. Uh, the guy's a 25-fight veteran. He one time got stabbed in the heart in a nightclub in Bulgaria and is still in the UFC now fighting at the highest level. He's seen some shit, man. He's seen some shit. It, and he's super fucking durable, right? So it's like, his plan didn't work against Blagoy. His plan didn't work against Junior. They've put him right back to the level he should have been fighting at this entire time. <laughs> To, to go in there Spivak. and crush cans like Sergey Spivak. Right. Now, Spivak has got a decent little outside trip, and he's got a, a decent little ground game. If he stands with Ty, he's going to get fucked up. If he can get Ty Tuivasa down, you would think he'd be okay. But here's the one thing. When you're that tall, you have that frame, 
those guys like Ty will just stand right back up. Derek Lewis is a great example. You're not strong physically like him. He'll get back up. So I'm not going to play too much into Spivak's ground game. I think that the majority of the fight should stay standing, and I don't think he's going to take those shots, whereas Blagojevich Jr. could. Mm. I, I don't think Spivak does. So I will take Ty. Minus 400, I can't have faith in this guy. No. And I don't like him to begin with. But the, but the 9,300, I almost feel like he's going to be on a winning lineup. So Yeah, that makes sense. If he loses and you're the, guy, you're the genius of Spivak, then all credit to you. That's going to be a huge one. But, but, uh, but I see Ty getting the victory. Moving on down the curve, we have Diego Lima taking on Luke Jumo. Diego Lima, 8,400 minus 150 favor. Luke Jumo, 7,800 plus 130. Diego Lima, they say that they, he has no chin. It's been a long time since he got knocked out. Yeah, that's um, true. Luke Jumo has no power, so I'm not too concerned about that. But doesn't this feel like the spot where you're just like, you know what? Diego Lima's chin, <laughs> the, the fact that he's chinny, a little bit overrated. And then like Luke Jumo with like, basically no knockouts on his career like just absolutely sparks him the first round doesn't could it feel you like that could you imagine i mean luke jumo robbed my boy da- daichi abe last time out by like just finger blasting him and then and that's what happened in that fight right it's been a while since he's been out there yeah it has it's, it's almost been two years he absolutely screwed abe was coming on man and then he just like gouged him so hard yeah that one could have gone either way that he was, has not that was nasty particularly I don't know. You have a hot, you have a hot take on this fight. Well, this is a, a tough one to get a hot take on. See, he may have robbed Dechiabe, and it's important to note that that one was right in his backyard. Yep. And right now, and that that's the thing with Jumo, he doesn't fight a whole lot. But when he does fight, he's typically fighting in Australia, and they like him over there. I got a kind of like a like I, I like Jumo. He was in a he was in a series called Phuket Dreaming like years back, where uh, Genghis Khan like spent some time at Phuket tie, Top Team, and like him and uh, Bobby Bot robbed Lazita. They just like, I don't know, Rob's, Rob's super arrogant, lo- likable character. I like him, but arrogant prick. And Jumo's just like a super good dude, like martial artist, trying to move his way up. He's a likable one. And it's kind of like their adventures before he gets to the UFC. But as far as his UFC run has gone, I, I'm just not super sold. Like the Dominique Steele fight, close fight. UFC debut, guess the win, hustles him up, great. Then he loses to Shinzo Anzai. The problem there is that Shinzo Anzai, unbelievably one dimensional with his wrestling. He'll just <laughs> go to the wrestling, right? And that was enough to beat uh, Jumo. Then his fight against Daichi Abe. Daichi Abe was undefeated at the time. Daichi Abe's lost like three in a row since. Like he lost two or three in the UFC, then got cut. Then it's furthermore lost a couple yep. more in the regional scene. So it's not, it's not some big win. Now it's two years removed. You're coming back. You're 31 years old. Did you get better between 29 and 31? I'd like to hope so. But, but, but why, why coming off a win in the UFC? He has a scheduled fight with Jeff Neal. 10 months after the Abe fight, pulls out due to injury, and then furthermore takes an additional 10 months off after that. So you got to assume that he's got something that's been nagging him. He's going to have some ring rust. He is fighting at home, so we got to give him that. But things are playing against him. What I liked about Diego Lima is that you mentioned it. Diego Lima, uh, well, he hasn't been knocked out in a while. He's figuring out how to just not get into these striking exchanges all the time. He's starting to wrestle a little bit. He's starting to lean on his wrestling, his grappling, and it's kind of been serving okay. He can strike like the Chad LaPreeze fight. He can grapple a little bit like the Court McGee fight. He's probably, I think, a better striker than Jumo. He's probably a better wrestler than Jumo. Probably a better gra- grappler than Jumo. What he's not giving up is that if he doesn't knock Jumo out, and it's tough to knock Jumo out, He's going to settle for a decision over there. He's got to win it clean. He's got to win it clean. And this figures to be a relatively close fight. I'd like to just take Jumo on the basis of hometown guy. But, but like two years off, and we're on. By the way, we just broke down the skill set. And I, I'm giving Diego Lima the striking advantage, the wrestling advantage, the grappling advantage. Jumo's got the chin. 
But without the firepower, you said it yourself, he's not a knockout guy. Without the firepower, he's not going to be able to just win this fight yeah, on just, his chin. I just think so Lima's probably the better fighter all around, to be honest. You know what, Diego? He's training with the better, you know, his yeah. brother. Just him training with his brother is so much of a higher level of training than, than Jumo's up to. You know what I mean? Look at his losses in the UFC, right? Tim Means. Oh, dude, a fucking badass, right? Oh, Jing Liang Li. Jesus, yeah, guy... Guy's pretty solid. Okay. Those furthermore, now he's not getting knocked out, but he's always getting out grappled. Jesse Taylor and Yushin Okami. The fuck? He's either fighting guys that are bangers or guys that are just stout grapplers. Yeah. But if you give him a mid-range guy that's so-so at this and so-so at he's that. He's styling on yeah, those guys. Yeah, yeah. He's all, his whole career, he's beaten That's why guys. he still has and, a job. Yeah, yeah, And they're giving him more He's winning guys. these types of fights. I don't so, know. So, listen, this is not a sexy fight. And I'm not he, I super think confident, but, but I would take Lima. I don't have the numbers in front of me Not right undrafted. But, like, I imagine Diego, Diego Lima's super big for the, for the weight class, too. He may have a, quite a bit of size on this guy. And that could also affect him by going all the way to Australia and cutting that much weight. Like you just Trust me, I, I, I spent eight months living there. and So you obviously have to fly. Not new, and I, I was living in New Zealand rather than Australia. Whoa. But obviously, oh, wait, wait, yeah, when wait. we're talking about, yeah. Where's your legion? The jet lag on both sides was fucking devastating. So it takes... I have a lookout this week to see if some people are just showing up. Because like their hours... You know, this card is taking place on Sunday morning at like uh, 11 a.m. Like the prelims are starting at like 10 a.m. local time. And it's like 12 hours forward or 12 hours forward, basically. So, yeah, keep an eye. There's some fighters that leave like this week, just only get in on like Tuesday. Like that could actually be a big, uh, big factor. I was at a card in Alberta this past weekend, right? Two American guys fly in. Terrian Ware, UFC veteran. He comes down. Um, David Jordan. He's a, at a syndicate MMA. Fucking Marvin the Beastman. Eastman is corner man. So that was pretty cool. They're the only two guys that miss weight. The two American guys. Now, what they blamed it on is we showed him to Lethbridge, Alberta, and there's two feet of snow. And it's minus fucking 20 degrees. Wow, well, it wasn't minus 20. Mm-hmm. It's, it's minus 10 degrees outside Celsius for you American fans or European fans. I don't know what they use. Fahrenheit, Celsius. Americans use Fahrenheit. Yeah, yeah. What do Europeans fan use? Do they use? They use, they use Celsius like us. Everyone. Okay, yeah. It's like minus 10 degrees Celsius and uh, there's two feet of snow. So they both miss weight and they're both adamant. Just like, man, my body was not responding. Tarion Ware is out of LA and David Jordan's out of Vegas. So I'm not by any means suggesting that the weather in Georgia and Australia is that much different, but it's more than just the weather. It's it's everything. It's the airport. It's the shitty food. It's the waiting. It's the anxiety. It's the stress. It's all those different things. The, that kind of is what takes it out of you. So I know we just said that we were taking Lima and then talked all this little fucking shit that probably didn't matter about why Lima might be. So I don't know. All I'm doing is talking myself out onto a pass. No, I'm just waiting. To, I'm going to watch the weigh-ins and stuff. But I oh, am. I am I, that's kind of what our show is more about. From, like I haven't. I, most recently, I've been making my bets later in the week. Um, so, yeah, what I'm looking at right now is Lima, but I may not make a play on it. Fair. That'd be that'd be a very fair call. I mean, I think the weigh-ins are a lot more important. Like, people always are trying to get their line, their, their bets out super early, and it's just like the weigh-ins are such an integral part of all of this. You have to see like whether the person's looking good. Like if you, I know sometimes you'll get screwed, like a uh, uh, Cynthia Calvillo type of situation where she looks like death, but. More often than not, you get there's a lot of valuable information there. And well, if you're not- somebody put a thirty thousand dollar bet on Masvidal already. So they're thinking this price is going to get worse. I'm getting on it early. They put thirty grand in with a Vegas casino, 
and then they may be wrong about that. Well, the word, movement. but the word right now though is that Masvidal's kind of got some hampering injuries. So if he pulls out, whatever you got to push. But if he decides to just fight because it's the biggest fight of his career for some title that they're not going to be like, oh, you're hurt. Don't worry, we'll we'll rebook the BMF belt. BMF don't pull out him on the no, fucking fights. Exactly. Okay? He's got no fucking option if he's hurt. He has <laughs> to BMF. fight. He has to fight like, at this point. You could have a gimp leg. Like he, they're, they're dragging you into that cage. Right. Right. So if you have a thirty thousand dollar bet on now, you might be thinking, "Fuck, I should have waited." All I'm saying. All I'm saying. Yep. All right. Let's move on. We've we talked quite a bit about that one. We got uh, Justin Taffa taking on Jorgen DeCastro. Justin Taffa, eighty three hundred to minus one twenty five favorite. Jorgen DeCastro is seventy nine hundred and plus one oh five. Jorgen DeCastro was on the uh Your boy. My boy. I don't know. I just, this is like what I was talking about earlier with Taitu Ivas. It's just like I literally didn't know really anything about Jorgen DeCastro. I saw that he was a six plus six hundred underdog. He was undefeated and he was taking on some guy I'd never really heard of either on Dana White Contender Series. And it's just like, this is heavyweights. If these were flyweights, it's a different story. You know there's always a reason. There's a massive skill disparity or something like that. Oh, Jorgen DeCastro, he was serviceable enough, and that's why he was able to chuck off some takedowns. And then he, he's a big boy that is able to throw flying knees. And you know what? That could, he's athletic that, for a big that'll guy. That'll get you a long way. And yeah. I like the story and stuff. Like, the guy's been through some hard times and shit, and he's... You know, he's gotten himself to this spot. Watching a little bit of tape on Justin Tava, I don't see anything special. This is going to be a car crash, and your DraftKings lineups depend on which side of the car crash you pick. I'm going to go with Jorgen DeCastro, just because I think he has more more tools in the shed. But, like, Justin Taffa, from all I've seen, just, like, kind of barrels forward and just swings hands. So it's going to be a car crash, and you just have to be on the winning side of that. Give me Jorgen DeCastro, though. Yeah. He's already been in a bigger moment. On top of that, Justin Taffel is fight on like XTC or whatever the local promotion is there. That's all of his three fights. Now you're going to put him in a stadium on a pay-per-view in front of like 60,000, 70,000 people. You think he's going to be ready for that? Well, you can make the same argument against Jorgen. Yeah, yeah but at least he was at like, he's at, been well, at, he's at a small gym of 25 people. Yeah, but it's the UFC's main and you know that you're Fair. on like a big Dana's broadcast. Right there. You know, people yeah, are yeah. watching on Fight Pass and stuff like that. Like, there is a big hurdle in terms of like the bright lights or whatever. And I think, shit, you're going to give me a guy who has at least beat a decent prospect um, at plus money in a heavyweight fight, like 7,900. Let's go. Plus 105, I mean, that's the side I'm probably... I'm going to bet it. I mean, it's not like lock it in type of thing, but give me DeCastro. Yeah, I think DeCastro is the better fighter, and I think Tafa's got the better narrative. But I'm going to go with the better fighter. The better fighter in Jorgen DeCastro. What I was impressed with with that uh, fight on Contender Series against Alton Meeks is like, yeah, like you said, he's only 5'11", so even though he's got the weight of a heavyweight He's not super big and therefore not super lumbering. Like he's got some agility to him, but his ability to just chomp on the leg, chomp on the leg, chomp on the leg. Now you get slower. Now he bombs you with those hands and he's got big power. You look at his fights prior to contender series and he was just knocking out guys that everybody was valuing as putzes. Al Tom Meeks, meanwhile, geez, he can wrestle. He's got a little bit more of the complete package. He's undefeated. We like this guy. Everyone's going Meeks and it's like it didn't matter. When he did get taken down, he was able to get back up. When you, I thought his takedown defense is actually not that bad. Probably another benefit of being a shorter heavyweight. And then eventually he beats him with the leg kick and punches him out. I, I think there's a lot you can take away there. Tafa, when you look at the tape on him, it's awful. 
But the only thing he's got going here is that Junior Taffa, his older brother, is a badass kickboxer for the Glory promotion. I think he's like ranked in the top 10 right now. So his older brother is a badass kickboxer. And then he trains with a lot of the guys on these cards, on this card. And he's going to be the local fan favorite. If this is a bantamweight fight or a lightweight fight, maybe they screw Castro on the decision. But like, I don't think it's going to go to the decision. Big mm-hmm. heavyweights. Not only that, but just like once he chops you down with those light kicks and ties you out. Now, could his brother have him prepared for these light kicks? Yeah, absolutely. But I just don't see it. This guy's not kickboxing like his brother for a reason, mm-hmm. right? He was like, shit, I'm not kickboxing as well, but with these little gloves on, I, I just touch guys and eh, they crumple right over. But yeah. it's like, I think Castro will be more prepared for it. It's a middling heavyweight fight. Just give me the dog, whoever it is. And right now, yep. you're going to have to Castro for that dog bunny. So I, I think I think that would be the smarter play. You got to get the guy that, from what you see on footage, what you see on paper, like he, he he's the guy. Don't bet the other guy just because... He's a famous brother, anything like that. We got Jake Matthews taking on Rostam Akman. Uh, Jay, uh, Jake Matthews is 9,100 minus 340 favorite. Rostam, the man carpet. I think that's my nickname for him. Like this guy's Holy chest hair, shit, unbelievable. Ever. Unbelievable. Oof. Actually, I'll tell you, uh, he's 7,100 plus 280. So I was talking with Mayo and I was showing like, him pictures of Rostam Ackman. Yeah. And he's just like, why wouldn't he just get it lasered off? I'm like, the guy's making 12 grand, man. Like, he's like, oh, it's not very expensive. I'm like, he's making 12 grand. He's getting flown over to Australia to fight Jake Matthews to lose. Like, let's let's call a spade a spade. They're, they're flying him okay. over there yeah, to yeah. No, do that. Is it going to work? I don't know anymore with Jake Matthews, but depends on how, like, motivated he is. It's always That's always been the case with him. He seems to have a ton of talent and uh, potential, but he hasn't really quite reached it. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I just don't really want to lay minus 340 on Matthews all that much right now. The price has been surging and I think they priced me out right now. What about, uh, what's your, what's your take on this fight? Yeah. Well, Mayo's got to realize, and by the way, I'm not the laser hair removal expert, but I've never done it myself. No, 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 no. But imagine you were like a hot babe that for whatever reason you were like Hungarian or something and you grew, you know, a unibrow and you're like, Oh, I want to get that little patch lasered off so that I don't get Perfect. You get a laser it off. I don't know what that would cost, but let's say it costs a thousand bucks. Laser it, never gonna come back. Imagine lasering your whole how much would he have to laser himself in order to not have hair on his fucking chest and back? Have you seen this guy? I I, I one like time. He saw would him show play. up to the laser person, and they'd be like, Oh my god, Karen. Like, rebook my next, like, three months. Yeah, I'd be like, oh, my God, we're going to bill this guy's insurance company with the motherfucking ace because this is going to be a long-ass procedure. I saw him one time. He took a fight. He came over. The ref was like, take off the sweater. And he's just like, nah, dog, this is all me. He's a furry guy. I don't know that that helps you whatsoever. <laughs> I think that helps you. I mean, it doesn't help that's... you in grappling. You have more friction. Well, it might help you. It but, like, it, you. but your opponent may be like, this is disgusting, which may help you get, to, yeah. There's, there's a little counterbalance there. I saw like, who would want to grapple was like that guy with yeah, all his yeah, yeah, fucking yeah, hair yeah, yeah, rubbing yeah. all of it. This is disgusting. I saw one time a guy, same thing, has a rug on his back and just dominates everybody. But it was a game of pickup basketball, shirts versus skins. Try defending this guy. Not happening. So that's a little bit different. Jake Matthews is going to probably grapple this guy. He's going to have to get all up in there. It's just mm. something that's going to happen. And... At least the UFC is giving him a massively favorable matchup because Jake Matthews, um, similar to other stars that were maybe pushed a little too quick, like the Paige Van Zandt or the Sage Northcuts, it's like, here's a young kid with some talent and let's develop him slowly. 
when he fights guys like Boyan, Jingliang Li, Shinzo Anzai, Johnny Case, Akbar Theriola, that that's when he wins. It's the Kevin Lees and the James Vicks and the and the Rocco Martins. Like he 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 hasn't been able to make that jump up in competition. And he's still young and he's still improving. But he's one of those guys you and I have spoken about for a long time. He he doesn't leave his comfort zone. He doesn't go. I'm not saying you got to go to a big camp, but it's like Jake Matthews' dad's his head coach and. He's never really gotten over that hump. But they're giving him a, a perfectly winnable fight. I think he should cruise here. Listen, do I like the pricing? No. But I see what this is being set up as, and that's a it's being set up as a as a Jake Matthews at home getting the victory. Yeah. Is it it's the is it kicking off Give the, the pay per view? It's kicking no, off. No, it's the main event of the prelims. Oh, wow. Yeah, all, all the same. It's a spotlight fight. I believe. Rostam Akim, you can't just you can't we all can't just talk about his uh his, the beard on him here, but uh He's tough. He's tough. He's got a lot of he's like a very, very He's like a poor man's Bilal Muhammad. He's a poor man's Bilal Muhammad. He fought yeah. in the IMAF system for a while. I think he won like a gold for Sweden. But even when you watch those amateur fights, not particularly good. Then he's only got about two years of pro experience. When I tape studied him prior to his fight with, I, I'm not going to be able to pronounce the Russian's name. Uh, Sergey Kandoshko, the candy man? Sergey Kandoshko, right. When I tape studied for that, I thought, Jesus Christ, this guy's unimpressive. And Kodishko, who wasn't, particularly great either got our vote of confidence and it was a bad fight mm-hmm. i mean bad and he he was he on the, the he was on the clean him. losing end of that yeah, he scored decision. like 30 points like he seemed he to would, be durable he would win on the basis of his aggression he's physically stronger he was more stout and again just he had the power advantage over uh over kodishko right so he'd the push up man he'd, he'd push up candy man up against the cage <laughs> he'd grind against candy man and then when they'd open up in the open field he'd get dropped he'd get hit with something that would floor him that's why he lost those rounds when i think about jake matthews i think if your plan is to push this guy up the cage and grind on him it's not gonna work he's fought in guys like Shinzo Anzai that have done exactly that he'll figure out a way how to beat you in a straight up grappling exchange you need to figure out a way to break this guy and beat him up with your striking which I don't see him doing to Jake Matthews so Jake probably got the advantages everywhere and again is being very much set up here to get the victory at home do you think like Jake's camp brought in like a St. Bernard for him to for Jake to roll around with at the end of practice every just so he gets used to that that bundle of hair that's gonna be in his face yeah like I'm trying to think what you would do like uh, like, you get a St. Bernard big dog just roll around with it. Give it some cuddles at the end of the day, just so you get used to having like that hair, like just getting in your eyeballs and stuff. Who's it's definitely a factor yeah, that yeah, you wouldn't want to overlook. Yeah. I would, I would call up Anti Gulov, and I would, be like, <laughs> I'd be like, Yo, hey man, I know your style's nothing like this guy's style, but you guys are physically built pretty similar, and got to get me that body hair. Right. Oof, yes. oof. We got uh, Mackie Patolo taking on Kalen Porter. Uh, Mackie Patolo, 9,000 minus 330 favorite. Pot, or Ka- uh, Callan Potter is 7,200 and plus 270. Who you got here? I got to go with Mackie Patolo. Um, just bringing up his stats here. Uh, he's been around the game for a fairly long time. He's one of those like Midwest, or he was from Hawaii, but he generally fights for like victory out of the Midwest. And then I see his last couple fights, CFFC, Bellator, Contender Series. It's like a steady move up. You know, he was one of those guys that was a pretty hotly contested prospect once upon a time and then losses to Cassius Kane, who knocked him out, and Dakota Cocker, who caught him with a choke. Kind of like reeled this guy back. Since then, he's put together a three-fight winning streak. And again, winning against uh, Chris Sinceros in Bellator, decent little win. Shows that he's on the right track. Got decent size for the division. The win over Justin Sumter. I'm not a Sumter guy at all. 
But Justin Sumter gave Ian Heinish a decent little mm-hmm. go. He was a power grappler. On the grappler. Contender Series. Yeah, on, the contender, on another episode of the Contender Series. Took his back. Wasn't able to get the choke. And obviously, Heinish was able to reverse position and beat him up. But Patolo just absolutely buzzsawed this guy. He actually showed, like, a decent, decent account of himself. I feel like when I say prospect once upon a time, like, he went through those losses. He went through some adversity. He's rebuilt himself. He's gotten older. He's filled out his frame. I, I, I like the guy. When I look at Callan Potter... Um, I, I'm just not impressed in the sense that when he fights middling Australian regional promotion guys, he beats them. When he fights anybody that seems like they've got a potential of going on to bigger and better things, namely Marcin Held and Jalen Turner in his debut, he has not. He, he's lasted one minute and nine seconds against Marcin Held, who's a submission specialist, and he submitted him. He lasted 53 seconds against Jalen Turner, who's a knockout specialist. He knocked him out. Mm-hmm. He Again, he has to fight middling range. I'm so-so at this. I'm so-so at that. Any type Kalen, of specialist is just going to be better Callum than Potter is mid-range. He's absolutely mid-range. <laughs> He's 17 and 8, I think, for a reason. And uh, I think that Mackie puts it on him. I think Patolo probably clips him in the first or second round and knocks him out. Again, when better, we talk about... Better play than uh, Jake Matthews? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Better play than Jake Matthews. I don't mind Matthews, but yeah, everybody likes the big knockout. How's he going to win Kalen Potter? He's going to go out there and knock out Kalen Potter relatively quickly, you would think. Whereas Jake Matthews is going to have to take this guy down, grind him down a little yeah. bit, tire him out a little bit, extend him into maybe the second or third round, then try to take his back and get a rear naked choke or something like that. The other thing, too, is that Kalen Potter's not going to wall install Mackie Patolo, whereas you know Jack Jake Matthews is his guy is going to at least try to wall and stall for a bit, yep. which would at least negate some of the points scored in that fight. So maybe Patolo. Patolo was something like 260 a few days ago. So again, the people that were in on that hammered it, it's 330 now. I don't love it at 330, but he is the pick for sure. Okay. We got uh, Brad Riddell de- taking on Jamie Malarkey. Brad Riddell is 8,600 minus 150 favorite. Jamie Malarkey, 7,600 and plus 130. Is there anything here no I, no but i i feel I like i don't i don't know who these guys are right at least when i think who are the dogs that i like on this card right al's got a chance at 45 right we don't like spivak i'm not really feeling jumo even at plus 130 jorgen's plus 105 it's hardly a dog i'm not liking rostam at all i don't like Kalen Potter at all, even though I, I I can see why Brad Riddell's the favorite here. Jamie Malarkey can't fully be overlooked. He's plus 130. I'm not publicly backing him as one of my dog plays, but I would I like him more than some of the options that have been presented. They're both strikers, and in that being the case, if it is going to be a striking battle, he's going to have shots to beat Brad Riddell. Brad Riddell is a kickboxing standout, got something like 90 pro kickboxing matches. Um, kickboxing really doesn't pay shit, so at some point he decides to try MMA, and he's been pretty all right in MMA. He's a pretty versatile guy, super experienced, and again, he just wants to strike with you. If you give him a striking battle, he'll probably beat you. Flip side to that with this Jamie Malarkey is that, again, he's a pretty good striker as well. He's got big power in his hands, and he's a boxer, right? So on paper, we got a kickboxer versus a boxer, and this kickboxer, Brad Riddell, he's got a lot of experience. He's got a lot of accolades. He looks good. He's got the stats. So if we're looking at it like, oh, dude, one guy, striker versus striker, one guy's just a more credited striker. That's where you get into trouble because Malarkey's got the power and he's got the boxing and a, a good, clean, And it's MMA too, boxer. so it's MMA striking and everything kind of changes anyway. Exactly. Kickboxers are used to kind of holding up a high shield because the boxing gloves are going to protect them. And whereas boxers do that as well, the punches is the difference. Boxers only throw punches. So imagine if you spend half your time throwing kicks and half your time throwing punches. You now know how to effectively throw punches and kicks. But if you spend 100% of your time throwing punches, that becomes the art. 
And when you get these close matchups like this, one guy's got power and a better technical boxing set, he could clip Brad Riddell. He could hurt Brad Riddell. So I, I see Brad Riddell as that favorite. The 8,600 does make me worried. Malarkey, plus 130, 7,600. If you need a guy in your lineup, if this is a GPP, maybe he's our punt of the week. 7,600 is not a great punt price, but he, he's, got a, he's got a chance. And the smartest play on this is fucking pass. But, <laughs> yeah. but that, those are my two sides. Uh, Megan Anderson is set up fight. They love this on this 9,400 and a minus 500 favorite. No, thank you. Uh, Zara Farron Dos Santos, something called that is 6,800 and plus 400. Like, no, I'm not doing it. I'm not playing. I'm not, I'm not parlaying Megan Anderson. At what point in her UFC tenure has she shown you that, that you can trust her at any, like at a number like this specifically, like her opponent looks pretty awful, but I don't care. It's, it's, this is like the easiest fight to just stay away from. And, and it's, you know, it's, it is women's featherweight. Um, I just don't know if, how I could possibly feel confident in playing Megan Anderson in any, any format, whether it's betting, DraftKings, it's just a stay away. What about you? Yeah, well, I get that. But we also have to factor in that she's being massively set up to get a win here. Listen, sure, that's what Megan they, Anderson, Felicia Spencer, she was probably getting set up to yeah, win there, too. Yeah, but we all knew every Felicia Spencer frick, could grapple. Every freaking loss has been. Nah, we all, yeah, but like to Did this girl grapple? Because if she can't grapple, she can get marked up. I have no up. idea who this girl is. Well, that's why we have an issue. We've yeah. got... Again, I was at a fight recently. I won't name the promotion, but hometown guy versus guy being brought in to lose. It's just like, ah, you could have found him anybody, but you found a guy specifically with the worst possible skill set. There's other fights on here. You'd be like, oh, why do they want Taffa to win? So they gave him an unnamed, no name heavyweight, was a six to one underdog on the contender series. But it's just like, that's not a good style matchup for your guy to get the win here. Jake Matthews versus Rostam. Hey, Rossum's pretty strong, dude. And again, if he just wall, wall installs you the way that other terrible fighters have won fights in the past, who's uh who's my boy from Poland? Um, who's your boy? I from know, Poland? I know, I know. He just wall installed. Bruno Santos is the one from Brazil and from Poland. Oh, Sergey. Oh. No, 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 no. It's Babinski, Fabinski, Fabian, no. Bartos, Bartos. Yeah, Bartos, Fabinski. Listen, are these guys great fighters? No, but they have like a path to victory in fights. They're gonna get cut the second they lose a fight because it's like we need them off the roster. But at least, at least it's like they pose problems. This one, I'm not seeing where she poses a problem. She's just got to get the fight down as fast as humanly possible because I don't see her being able to stand. She's listed as being born in France, training out of France, but her last name is Dos Santos, so I'm assuming she's Brazilian, right? Uh, if she knows how to grapple, maybe that's an issue. But what, from what I'm seeing on tape, I, I, I'm not seeing it. It's hard to find a lot of quality footage of her. You can see her cage 40 bow, but also worth keeping a note, she fought um, Sinhead Kavanaugh, right? Sinead. That's how you say it over there. Yeah. Sinead, Sinhead, I know. Sinead Kavanaugh, John Kavanaugh's yeah. sister. Yeah, yeah. John Kavanaugh's sister, once upon a time, was a highly talented prospect. She was 1 0 at the time. Now she's 5 and 4. And when she is winning, it ain't pretty. And when she is losing, it's pretty much, I mean, it is what it is. Five, 5 and 4. She loses that fight, right? Now she's being moved up based on the basis of three not so big wins. Why is she being signed to the UFC? 
Why, why? Why would they have? Was she on anybody's radar? Why won't no. Megan Anderson just go away? She was specifically Castro earned himself a contract, right? Yeah. Rostam had a UFC fight already. They were already contracted. I feel to the like UFC. the Megan Anderson experiment's already this over. Girl, so why are we setting? Got, why are we setting up a fight? Because there's no girls in the division, yeah. and I think they. It know, isn't even a division. No, Cyborg's not, even you know, gone now. Like the, yeah, yeah. Amanda Nunez has no intentions of ever defending that belt because there's nobody to fight. No, but at some point, it's like, if we are going to stick to this, we need women in the division, and at least Megan Anderson, she's got a, she's got a, she's got a fan base. If she loses this, can we, can we end the women's featherweight division? Just let them them all go to Bellator with Cyborg, and then you can have the the division over there. I don't think you understand how popular Megan Anderson is. She's got three things going for her, right? Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. <laughs> now she's got those those she's guys. She's a Twitter fighter. She's as, got those uh, Khabib guys called that are before. all in on tattoo chicks. She's got that. She's got that male she's demographic true. bound. Now she got the guys that like tall chicks. Or she like she, she got true. those guys doing. And then this one's gonna sound really weird. Just bear with me. She got the foot fetish people because she got such a big fucking foot. I don't know why, but you go on her Facebook and her Instagram. It's like talk I've about seen, talk I've seen, about. I've seen those of, comments before. Talk about high sodium count because it is motherfucking salty. <laughs> they are thirsty up in that bitch. There's not True. one bad comment. She'll block your ass if you put a bad comment. Mm-hmm. But it's just like it's unbelievable. Yeah, it's now, really, yeah, it's really now, weird, man. We're in Australia, and she's gonna get a, a pop from the crowd. True. And you know what? She, she's fun to watch. Just strike. But we keep matching her up against girls that are smart enough to take her down. Let's let's give her somebody that's probably not able to take her down. And uh, and of course, she has been working on the takedown defense as well. So Felicia Spencer is a fucking black belt, world class black belt, a good wrestler. DeSantos isn't. Yeah. So let's leave it at that. I don't like the price, like you said, but we'll leave it at that. We've got the arms, Jin Yoon Kim taking on Nadia Kasim. Jin Yoon Kim is eighty seven hundred. That's a very expensive price for this style of fight and a minus 175 favorite Nadia Kasim is 7,500 and uh, plus 155. Uh, if memory serves me correct, Nadia Kasim fights with trash can. Mook- Both of them. Trash the can Mukhtarian. The Mukhtarian brothers. And that, that, uh, that, those, Alex- are, those are, those are, those are, those are who are training her. And like, it's, not a, it's not a shocker. Nadia Kasim is the bottom of the barrel in the women's division. Like, um, I wish like Jinyun Kim has a 72 inch reach. I know I talk about this every like it's fascinating looking at like how her arms are built. Um, she doesn't really use her range as well as she should because she should have like a like six seven inch reach advantage. Sometimes even more over everybody that she fights, but. Uh, Intrigued by her at minus 175, just because it's a pure life chasm fade. Um, I don't have very much DraftKings in, or interest in this one, though. What about you? Yeah, so Australian top team, no affiliation with American top team, just I'm sure they took the top team name and threw it on. <laughs> it, it's owned and run by the Mokhtarian brothers. You've got Askan, who's on a three-fight losing Trash streak. Trashcan. Trashcan Mokhtarian, who's on a three-fight losing streak. Then you've got Suman Mokhtarian, uh, two fight losing streak. He's actually Nadia's boyfriend, and then that Alex Gordiev, who like looked or Gorgies looked awful. <laughs> his debut. I mean, awful. Yeah. This so, is this is a gym to fade. It's it's definitely a gym to fade. And Nadia, she got a win over what Alex Chambers in just like a brutal fight, and then got massively exposed her next time out. Uh, and we haven't seen her since. She should get smoked out by Ji Young Kim, who has a five-inch reach, uh, uh, five reach advantage, probably stays to the outside, 
probably the better, definitely the better technical striker. And so I'd probably say the better all-around striker. And I don't know why, because it's so far down the fight and, you know, it's one that most people don't care about. But, like, I get a bad gut feeling. This is a definitely a dogger pass. I'm not betting Jin Young Kim. She's, pro- she's probably the play. I'm not liking it. I'm not liking it. Well, Nadia I, I mean, him. actually, she's, she's this young. would probably she's be on the... Drive. If it's only going to be a striking battle... I wish this battle, would be a fight that you could bet live, but it'll be on the fight pass prelims, so I don't think the windows will be open. But if it is a fight where you can maybe bet live, like maybe wait until the end of round one and bet whoever wins round one by decision. Because like, I don't see a finish happening here. No, no, I don't see a, f- I don't see a finish. So I you, see, you I kind see, of, you, I see a greasy ass decision that probably half yeah. of the people don't agree with. Hopefully, there's gets- a live window on this. I think this is a good live betting opportunity. You just get more information, see what it looks like between the two of them. Yeah, so we're like, again, we're laughing that it's like, um, oh, yeah, she looked bad against Alex Chambers. Alex Chambers, that was her 39th birthday, right? She had some like 10 pro fight. She had fought in the UFC. She'd be in the Ultimate Fighter. It was her 39th birthday. Yadiam Kasim was. Three days removed from her 22nd birthday. Yeah. She gets the win over Alex Chambers. It's not pretty. I get it. Then she fights Montana De La Rosa. Stylistically speaking, that's a terrible fight for her. Because Montana De La Rosa's got the collegiate wrestling pedigree. Did way better on the ground. Probably going to take her down. Probably going to submit her. That's exactly what she does. She fought Montana De La Rosa. She was 23 years old. Right? What I'm saying is that just because she hasn't looked ultra impressive in the past doesn't mean she's not improving. And her gym's so fucking bad. How is she making any improvements? I get it. Mm-hmm. That, but I'm, that was going to be my argument. If but I'm not. But I'm not putting minus one seventy five on G and Kim in Australia. It's, it's that's fair. Not going to happen. That, that's 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 the prudent move. To be perfectly honest. All right, and finally we have a Khalid Khalid Taha taking on Bruno Silva. Khalid Taha is eighty nine hundred and minus two forty favorite. Silva seventy three hundred and plus two hundred. Who you got here? I feel like Taha is just a little too strong for him. A little bit too big, a little bit too strong. It seems like um, Bruno Silva, he's a, he's a natural flyweight. He trains with his, Cejudo, I believe, right? He trains with Cejudo. Now, the biggest thing for him is that he has a draw against Case Kinney, right? So let's, let's, let's yeah. not even talk about his last Casey loss. Case Kinney's had a good run recently. He has, and that's the thing that sticks out there. Mm-hmm. Shit, Casey Kinney looks good. This guy had a draw against Case Kinney. Fought him tough, uh, and it was a, it was a split draw. On LFA card. So he got a little bit of experience. He's training with a world-class team. He's fighting good opponents. The fight prior to that, he got head kicked in seven seconds. Okay? Whatever he got caught. The draw with Casey Kinney, that's nice. His next two, he wins them both at 125 pounds. All of his fights are at 125 pounds. Now he's making his UC debut. They're clearly not interested in a fight at 125 pounds. So they're giving him Taha, who's... You know, he only stands, he stands pretty short, but at 135 pounds, dude, he's massively muscular. He's just like a strong, stocked up guy. He looked pretty decent in that Rise and Bantamweight tournament that he was in, won his first fight, lost to Asuka, but in a fight I thought he was winning, got caught. It's his two fights in the UFC. Nad Naramani, big guy, grinds him. Boston Solomon, slick striker, knocks him out in 25 seconds. Mm-hmm. Would Boston Solomon have beaten that guy if it went 15? Yeah, maybe. But this guy's got big power for the weight class. And he wants to use it quick. And when I see Bruno Silva, maybe he's going to tire him out. Maybe he's going to drag him out. But that losing in seven seconds is, is, a, is a bad sign. Bad tell. Is a bad tell. 240 on Taha is absolutely ridiculous. Um, I would say that this is a clean pass. I'd like to bet Bruno Silva plus 200. Price is right. 
but I, I see him getting caught and getting knocked out. And that and that's going to be your risk here on DraftKings. Could he be a good punt play? Could be a good punt play. Mm-hmm. But the flip side to that is if he loses, he probably gets knocked out in a couple minutes. GPT only. This is not a cash game guy. Yeah, and if you're, you're playing multiple lineups and you're looking just to take down one big GPP, then maybe Bruno Silva's that guy that can save you some money. But this fight, maybe I haven't tape studied it as much as I'd like to, but the, the thing with Bruno Silva is that he looks to have a massive size disparity. So if he can't take down Taha, and maybe he doesn't even try, we just got a striking battle here. I, I'm giving the power and the actual striking to the German. So give me Khalid Taha in the opener. Price probably makes it unappealing. Um, the 8,900, listen, if he knocks them the fuck out, they're yeah. going to want some shares in it. Absolutely are going to want some Sounds shares in like it. it. And because this is a card with far bigger names than Khalid Taha, he's going to be low ownership, and he's got just as much upside as some of the big guys. So worth a look. I know it's still only midweek, and we want to watch Wayne's, and we want to check out some other things, but... This fight, just like you're saying, watch Wayne's, that this, if there's any fight on the card, that's the one I want to see. I want to see how big the size difference is. I want to see how big 35 looks, the real 35er looks compared to the real 25er. Mm-hmm. I want to see if Taha looks in good shape. And if he does, um, I, could zone in, I could zone on this one for low ownership, sub 9,000. And again, just as much upside as anybody else if he gets a first round knockout. For sure. Any final thoughts here? No, that's about it. I mean, we're just grinding card to card. Fuck my neck up. I don't know what you're it is. Doing, you're doing I can the barely, Pogi, I can, Pogi Rob's <laughs> parlay? I guess you guys did oh, that yeah, yeah. last week. I did you do that last have. week? Yeah, yeah. We Pogi Rob parlayed it, but I, Macy Chase on or somebody. It wasn't a bad parlay, but when you're trying to get all 12 fights on one I bill, mean, yeah. somebody's going to tw- shit in the pie, there's Paul. There's a reason why 12, 12. <laughs> Paul, you know this as much as anybody else. Someone's going to shit in the pie. Of course. Okay, we're going to officially go it's with... 12-man parlay. We're going to officially go with Israel Adesanya. I'm going to take Dan Hooker. I'm going to take Ty Duivasa. I'm going to take Diego Lima. Jorgen DeCastro will be the first dog. Jake Matthews, Mackie Patolo, Jamie Malarkey will be the second dog. Uh, Megan Anderson. <laughs> Fuck it, Nadia Kassam. But don't hold it Whoa. to me. I know, I know. Yeah, what am I doing? Yeah, what am yeah, I doing? Yeah. Talk me out of it, Paul. Her coach is trash can. <sighs> well, okay, okay. But if you I don't, a bad if feeling. I don't, if I don't take maybe Nadia, leave that off of the the, the yeah, eleven yeah, fight that's parlay your move here. Is, yeah, that's your move. Is don't put it on a parlay. <laughs> yeah, don't, just don't touch <laughs> it. Don't put it on a parlay. Okay. If if I don't take Nadia, I would be tempted to take Bruno. I feel like one of those two dogs. I don't like any of the other dogs. It's the dirty early prelims of a yeah, but what, pretty what, weak what, card. What, what do my dogs look like, right? I got a plus 105. Oh, joy. Izzy's minus 115. He's not a dog. He's, you know, a little... He's the favorite, These actually. pay-per-view lines get released so early And now, Jamie, Jamie like Malarkey. They're, they're out I don't for a month already, so it's like everything gets steamed, right? Ah, so. yeah. Well, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta own up, so... I'll take Nadia Kasim and Khalid. I bet you it'll be reverse. It'll be Gian Kim and Bruno. But fuck it. Those are the picks. Go with the Pokey Rob. Let's do it. Let's uh, do it. All right. That wraps it up for us this week for UFC 243. Thank you, Cody Safik, breaking down the fights with me as always. For Cody, I am Paul. Saying goodbye and good luck. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.